everyone. I am Carla Jakubovic, hostess of the Swiss Learning Podcast, and thanks for listening. Swiss Learning represents 13 prestigious schools in Switzerland, and they're experts at finding the right fit for each student. On this podcast, we will showcase alumni from each one of these schools to share their success stories and insights with you. Today, I'm delighted to welcome an alumnus from Eglon College, Dominic Mayer. Dominic, welcome to the show. Thank you, Carla, for having me. Dominic is a recent PhD graduate from UC San Diego, specializing in computer science, engineering, and technology management. His area of specialty was 3D computer vision systems, with a goal to create affordable 3D sensors for robotics and 3D scanning. Wow, I can't wait to hear more about this, but let's start with your education. Dominic, when you think about Switzerland, what comes to mind first? In Switzerland, I mean, the most iconographic thing are the mountains, right? Every time you go there, you think beautiful prairies, snow-capped mountains, glaciers, filled with fresh air and tranquility. So that's that's the first image that, that comes to mind uh, when thinking about my hometown, Switzerland. Yes, if I close my eyes, I can still smell that crisp air. <laughs> and how did you hear about Eglon? How did you end up there? So actually, before I go, I was in another school in Bilara. It's a primary school called Preferi. And most of my friends in that class were a little older than me. So they were you know, graduating and moving on to Eglon, leaving me with the, with the tough decision of do I go to the public school system or do I continue and join my friends at Eglon? Mm-hmm. So I ended up uh, looking at the acceptance requirements, uh, getting tested and seeing if I, if I would fit in with that class a year early. And, and I did. And then there I was, BPF1 was the, was the first year I joined Eglon, the, the youngest at the school, I think, ever, or one of the youngest, and I enjoyed it ever since. You actually spent eight years at Eglon. Did your classmates and school staff become your second family? Tell us about some meaningful relationships that were formed during that time. Yeah, so what's truly unique about Eglon, and especially if you, if you spend so many years there, is that you don't build just a few friendships. It's generations of, of friendships and, and family, right? Um, so I started off in the junior school as a, as a BPF student, then growing off uh, in the first and the second form. And, you know, there you, you meet friends on expeditions in the class and you really share every part of your day with these friends. And that, that's where you build your first friendships. Uh, that's actually where I met my best friend, Jan, and um, this continued then through senior school. And at senior school, right, you really mature your, your connections, your friendships. Uh, you have your house parents that's uh, become really important. Um, so I, I had three house parents in total over my time at, at Egmont. Um, but then in the senior school, that's where everyone becomes really close family, right? That's when you go from a kid to being an adult. And that's where you build those lifelong relationships. And do you get to keep the same boarding family and boarding parents the entire time? Yeah, so you don't, right? So if you join at the senior school level, you do, so you can stay in the same house. But if you do both the junior school and the senior school, you know, you have one set of house parents in the junior school, and then you graduate to a new boarding house in the senior school. So in my case, I had Jordan and Carol Logie, who were amazing uh, while I was in the junior school, uh, like a second pair of parents. And then as I went into the senior school, I joined First Delaware, one set of house parents, and then I moved over to, to Alpina um, with um, Tom and uh, Catherine Kruger. So it was really great to have, you know, so many different second families right over, over my time at Agnon. 
Okay, you mentioned changing houses during your senior year. Was that behavior related? Tell us the truth. So uh, most of my friends were in, in Alpina and, and, you know, there's a lot of tension between which house is the best house. Uh, so I started off with Delaware and, you know, I, I wanted to move to my friends and be closer with them. So I decided to do whatever it took to to join Alpina, the, the best house after all. So uh, <laughs> here I am uh, graduating from uh, from Alpina. So, yeah, it was it was with James Ray and then it was uh, Tom and Catherine Kruger. And, you know, I had a phenomenal time uh, there. But again. All, all the houses are family, right? So you come from Eglon, everyone's family. So that's, yeah, that's yeah, exactly. But we all want to be closer to our friends. So so that's understandable. Exactly. In your opinion, what's the absolute best part about being an Eglon student? So at, at Eglon, if you ask anyone, it's really the outdoors that, that matters the most, right? You, you wake up in, in winter, you go skiing, come back for a tasty lunch, and then you sit in a few classes and then all you do is look forward to the weekend because that's when you get to go out to town and uh, meet some friends, not be, not have to worry too much about, about homework and classes, um, or also go on expeditions. Right? That, that's probably the, the next best thing with being outdoors all the time is being outdoors while on expeditions. Um, it's a time on the weekends, students get to go out, be away from family, be away from the teachers, which is, I think, a very important part for most students do whatever they feel right along getting caught. And, and that, that makes it a lot of fun. You learn how to be independent and uh, build, build more friendships and just have a good, good time, have a blast. But it's so cool that you mentioned the outdoors because that's so true. Wiglone's experience is so wholesome. Besides the incredible learning opportunities, it really offers such a rich program of experiences outside of the classroom, right? Yeah, I mean, the outdoors make make a massive difference. You can not worry about your academics. You don't have to worry about your classes. But what that allows you to is when you get back to trying to do work, you're actually more efficient at it. Right? So it's that, that holistic education. Being outdoors makes everything more efficient afterwards. What other physical activities did you do? So I did everything that involved mountains. Uh, running up mountains, skiing, snowboarding, ski mountaineering. So that's when we put some skins under our skis and actually run up the mountain with skis on our on our feet. Bit of trail running, right? So the, the whole lot. And that was a real blast. I probably did some sort of sport activity every day of the week, as well as the weekends. So that means over eight years, right? You you build up yeah. quite a, the momentum of being outdoors and, and being sporty, which is which is really great. And you carry that with life. That sounds incredible. And during this time in school, were you already aware of your passion for robotics? Did you get a chance to explore this curiosity in school? So at Eglon, the, the closest field to engineering was really the, the physics um, in the science department. And I had a phenomenal physics professor, John Turner. And that's where I, I think I really found the love of, of engineering, bit of physics, electricity, mechanical design, right? And uh, that's, you know, where I picked up the, the core foundations of, of my engineering skills. Uh, there was actually a, a pretty unique observatory we had at Eglon, where that's where I put to use some of my first engineering skills and started automating the, the telescope systems, the observatory dome, and 
you first get got exposed to robotics, I guess, right? So it was this very unique environment I was able to to play in and, and learn and develop that develop my skills. That's so cool when high school projects or high school experiences actually come in handy, end up coming in handy in our professional lives, isn't it? Yeah, and there's overlap to so many different things that you would never imagine there to be. So, you know, robotics and telescopes and physics and cameras are all very similar. So yeah. that's just a fun connection. Exactly. Besides physics, did you have any other favorite subjects? Yes, I was definitely always very science oriented. So I enjoyed the math classes, uh, which got quite hard by the end of it with Tom Higgins and then chemistry, uh, a lot of fun in the chemistry classes, running experiments, misbehaving with chemicals. Uh, <laughs> we, never, we, we never got much appreciation for it, but it, it was a fun class. Then we also had a great economics economics classes. So that's, that's I think, the, the, the next most fun class I, I was enjoying. And Dominic, now transitioning to your professional life, of all the things that us laymen hear on a daily basis, robot surgeons, flying cars, etc., what are we closer to than people imagine? Yeah, so that's a great question. You know, robotics and self-driving vehicles, which I'll focus on a little bit, have been evolving over decades, right? And we've been hearing a lot about them recently, but there's also the reality is we're not seeing flying cars around our everyday lives, right? So looking back, Elon writes back in 20, 20, uh, 2015, said, you know, it'll only be a few years before we see self-driving cars autonomously driving everywhere. Now, six years later, right, we see a few Teslas, but those aren't fully self-driving and they're not self-driving in snowy mountains in Switzerland yet, right? So there's still a long way to go. But I, I think the biggest takeaway uh, which we have from robotics and developments resulting you know, in this space is the fact that a lot of the technology is making its way back into devices we see on a daily basis and making the lives better. So let's let's look at let's look at uh, driver assistance systems. You know that prevent uh, collisions ahead, that keep lane uh, lane keeping in, in the vehicles. Those are all technologies that have been greatly improved thanks to the development of autonomous vehicles, but that really affect our daily lives. Lives are being saved. People are really benefiting from those. So I think the adoption of technology that is resulting from these spin-offs, from these imagination, imaginatory technologies uh, is, is the most tangible assets we can, we can gain in society. And with robots more and more present in different professional arenas, what impact do you envision on the human role? Biggest misconception is that robots will replace humans. And, and I think that I need to emphasize that, that heavily because I am a very large advocate for automation and intelligent robotics. So robots or cobots, as I prefer to call them, are here to alleviate humans from repetitive and dangerous tasks, right? So places where humans shouldn't be doing their work is are the places we should be employing robots, right? And it's a matter of building automation pipelines in our global processes that foster collaboration with humans. Back with the industrial revolution, right, we saw laborers transitioning from, from working in the fields to designing machinery. In today's world, we're, we're just a step further. We're, we're transitioning from building machinery to writing software that automates the building of machinery. Robotics will play a critical role in the evolution of human occupation this century, and, and I'm really convinced that the automation components will be a requirement for the sustainable future. So robotics is awesome and, and we, we will continue needing it in the future. 
And that's a great point. Uh, as technology advances, sure, some jobs disappear, but new ones arise too. So I agree that technology shouldn't be feared. It should be embraced. And I love that you call them cobots instead of robots. Dominic, how does one raise capital for R&D projects, which may take years to mature? If we look at technology development, we see many innovations, but always a few of them really make it out into the real world, really changing our lives. And I have to go back to the self-driving car example. Right? If we look at the R&D cost we've spent as a society, you know, we're exceeding $20 billion over the last decade, just in researching what we could do in the future. Right? Uh, yet we still don't see these, all these cars driving around autonomously on the streets. So I, I think it's it's important to say that society has, has learned to really prioritize uh, capital towards early stage concepts, ideas that may have an impact in the future. And we'll, what we will see is spin-offs and specific parts of these technologies that will succeed and will make their way into, into the world, right? So VCs, angel investors, uh, a lot of research funding uh, across different countries really do focus and enable the development of concepts that are not market mature yet. And I think that's, that's a really great thing. And in your opinion, what is something still considered impossible today that you think may be possible in the future? Yeah, so the physicist inside me has to shine here. By definition, most of our systems nowadays are still energy limited, right? So as we drive our vehicles, we need to refuel them. As we operate our laptops, right, we need to recharge them. So the biggest research topic, I think, in physics that will have a breakthrough in society is nuclear fusion. So, right, once we're able to fuse heavy or heavier elements together, then we're able to generate energy perpetually, right? And that means that we are reducing our emissions, reducing our, our waste footprint, meaning that we can run more efficiently altogether, right? So that's that's the more specific way of, of technological innovation, which I really hope to see in my lifetime succeed. Dominic, people in your field have a very specific skill set. What are the challenges of leading highly intelligent teams? So I'm going to speak on behalf of, I guess, the engineers and, and the scientists, because I, by, by on paper, at least I am one of them. So wearing an engineering hat has a very strong pro because you can solve problems and you, you've been trained to solve problems diligently. But this also comes at a cost, right? Most engineers or a lot of them don't necessarily look at the problems from a human perspective, right? So, and I think that that is the most important part of leading engineering, development, R&D, you know, uh, commercial endeavors is to really be able to harvest the social components, the emotional components and pair that with the engineering and science to, to make it a success, whatever that is, right? So. Um, I want to really emphasize that the human aspects to engineering is probably the hardest and most important that makes engineering successful. Dominic, what's the most interesting project you've ever been a part of? What's your proudest moment as a scientist? So a few years back, I was working with a bunch of archaeologists down in Mexico, and we had indications from satellite imagery that there may be a, an archaeological site or more than an archaeological site uh, hidden in the jungle still. So what we did was to come out at the first expedition and fly a bunch of UAVs uh, a few hundred kilometers out over the jungle to start collecting data, right? Just so that we can convince ourselves that there may actually be something out there. And then if, uh, about a year later, we actually wrote up a National Geographic grant to go out there again 
but this time by foot to see whether there actually was something. And it turned out, you know, there were two ancient Maya sites uh, in the northeastern part of the Yucatan Peninsula that no one, you know, in, in the modern world was aware of existed and that we, we set foot on, right? So really coming there was was eye-opening that, you know, using technology, we were able to actually discover, identify, you know, and visit a site that, that was pristine. That is remarkable, being part of a team that discovered a new site. How, how cool. <laughs> that's, that's really awesome. And what's a dream project that you'd like to be involved in? One of the, the big application factors of some of the hard engineering skills I, I've been working on is really in the medical field. And that's a field that I haven't been exposed to as much yet. I would really love to see myself entering that field, seeing whether some of the tech algorithms, sensing systems can be applied to diagnostic imaging, uh, tracking, and really trying to focus on what can actually save lives on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's, that's really uh, a field I, I look forward to, to possibly entering the future. Dominic, we also hear you're about to launch your own company. What can you share about that? We're still at a very early stage, but what we're doing is looking at automating a lot of the assessment and tracking of real estate. So how do we efficiently go in and map 3D spaces in a way that we can quantify how these spaces are utilized, how they evolve over time, make sure that at the construction stage, for example, uh, they adhere to guidelines. And that is going to make a massive difference on how buildings are kept uh, over their lifetime. So. All I can say is stay tuned for, for our upcoming public announcements, and I look forward to sharing those uh, there. We sure will. Uh, when when are you officially launching the company? So we're, we've been in incognito for a few months now, but we're, we're planning to have a launch early of next year, 2022. And then that's where we'll be releasing our first hardware product and as well as part of our software pipeline. Dominic, and I look forward to catching up with you in a few years and seeing, you know, what interesting, amazing stuff you've been up to. Um, I've really enjoyed learning more about your career. Before we let you go, is there any piece of advice you could offer students who are currently undecided about whether or not they should go to Eglon? Yeah, and I think there's a simple answer to that, which is education is probably the best investment you will ever make in life. Right. And going to Eglon will, will have a lifelong payoff in friendships, connections and enable you to grow as a person. So what I'll say is go, go give it a try and, you know, you won't regret it. Dominic, if any of our listeners wish to continue this conversation, can they find you on LinkedIn? Absolutely. Google my name and you will, you will find me. It's not that hard. All right, Dominic Mayer. And if anyone else has any other questions about anything else they heard on the podcast today, feel free to email me at carla at swisslearning.com. Thank you and until next time. <music>